Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Jabo macht Tempo, wartet auf harte Herzschwanke, kommt und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujabalata. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Swider Bundesliga podcast. Today we'll be discussing all the action from match day six. It would be fair to say that this was a round of opportunity. Certain teams who had yet to take in a win were seeking validation for their changes earlier in the week. Or we should also look at the top. Who is really asserting themselves as the best team in the Swider Bundesliga? Because frankly, let's be honest, I don't think anyone has an idea who is top dog in this league. As always, alongside me to discuss all the action is a very happy Eva Lotte-Bola. Eva, good morning to you. It has been an interesting weekend of Spider Bundesliga football. A lot of goals again. They were a bit well, bit a bit better behaved, let's just say, in terms of red cards. I don't think there were any this match day, but um, there were some important wins for teams that desperately needed them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I also already apologize for my voice because and my nose and everything. Uh, because uh, it seems like going to two football matches for one weekend, both more or less night games. It's it's already getting autumn. Five thirty kickoff on a Sunday is a very weird time for the majority of Monday. I thought it's Sunday, so this is great as well. Um, you know, uh, it seems like it it has taken its toll on me. Um, yeah, but it was uh, it was a real fun weekend. I think um, there, as always, there were some results that we might or might not have expected. Maybe not in the way they were coming together in the end. Um, at least the first game we're going to talk about. This is definitely the case. Um, and I think we have a couple of teams where we still don't know what certain results might mean for them or how we can, yeah, go through them in and analyze them for the season going forward. Um, but nevertheless, uh, this is the great thing about Svetliga. We already have plenty to talk about. There's, um... Yeah, a lot of talks what might happen to certain clubs going forward. And um, yeah, I think uh, we we have a game at the beginning of this podcast that um, we might have even expected two, three, four more goals. <laughs> well, I would have not been surprised, but I think uh, in the end, the added time with well, stoppage time wasn't long enough. For that, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would be fair to say that Paderborn would suggest that stoppage time was too long. Um, they were at the Milan tour, they took on St. Pauli, the game ended two goals apiece, and uh, Paderborn had two leads in this game and they were unable to hold serve. And it started just before the break when Marvin Piringer put in his third goal of the season. Uh, they got on the break, 
Court St. Pauli uh, pretty much cold defensively and put into the back of the net. Then St. Pauli had a penalty in the sec- early in the second half when Saliakis was fouled by a Hofmeier. But Lert Pacarada missed. And it's a second penalty save in consecutive weeks for Yannick Hootz. And, uh, well, Paderborn held the serve. Then Paderborn thought they took the lead, a second lead, as in a two-goal lead, when Solo Conte uh, had put past Dennis Marsh. But he was just offside. St. Pauli then would equalize through Etienne Aminido, setting up for a bonker final 10 minutes. And it was absolutely crazy because Sir Lloyd Conte would eventually get that goal on 90 plus one, his second goal of the season, almost a carbon copy of the goal that he was disallowed moments before. Paderborn celebrated that goal pretty hard, as you would, scoring a stoppage time winner at the Milan Tour, lots of high emotion, uh, complete contrast from the emotions Lucas Krasniak showed for the Piringer goal just before halftime. But it was proof that sometimes celebrating a bit before the final whistle could be detrimental because just moments later, Marcel Hartl's corner found David Nemet at the back post and Nemet, who signed from Mainz for a, a decent Spider Bundesliga type fee, he gets his first goal for St. Pauli and the points were shared. Evil let's debrief because... This game really kicked into high gear in the final 15. Paderborn had probably the better moments in the game, but they really let themselves down after scoring the 2-1. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the thing is, in the first half, I thought, um, I mean, St. Pauli needed to show a reaction, which wasn't, okay, we're going to win it 5-0, but to have uh, defensive stability. I'm Well, I mean, probably it wasn't, we 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 are the on the Pacarada hype train. It was probably not his best game. I mean, uh, for this one, he goes out, wants to intercept the pass to Piringa, but is completely out of position, and that's why more or less Piringa is completely free uh, in front of in front of Dennis Marsh. So positioning wasn't always great in this game. Um, and then obviously you had Sariakas nearly with a non goal. So there was still a bit of, yeah, unsureness. <laughs> they weren't really sure what to do there. But um, I think all in all, it was a, it was a decent like, Pauli performance. But at the same time, I mean, last season we had this with Parabon at home. They couldn't really perform. They wouldn't really score away from home. They were one of the best teams. Uh, this season is kind of vice versa. Um, so they really, really strong at home, away from home. They always need around 45 minutes to get into the game. If you compare it to the Kaiserslautern game as well, uh, there you had a team who tried to hold them back to due to pressing, not let them completely do what they want, do not have too many passes towards um, both Plata and Piringa up front. Um, so Pauli did that rather well. And in the second half, um, as you mentioned, it really kicked off with the Aminita goal. In my, in my opinion, it was the uh, deserved equaliser at that stage. But also, I mean, we talked about this last week when we talked about the 7-2 win up over Kiel where we said, I mean, it could have, in a way, it could have ended 
three three or six six because Paramount's defending was lacking some sort of structure as well, and you had six Paderborn players in the six-yard box, I think. Um, I'm not really sure what happened there. Um, and I think this is always very typical for St. Pauli when you're, the, the strikers you were expecting to score, likes of Eggestein, don't do it. I mean, Ido comes out of nowhere and scores. Um, and then, obviously, it was a correct offside decision for the first one, Um and I think then Conte, who is an ex-St. Pauli player, obviously, um, he played for St. Pauli, and uh, he celebrated in front of the yard, the St. Pauli stands. I think the second time it was just a bit of karma because they celebrated in the mm. in the box, right in front of the goal, right in front of the stands. And yeah, I mean, especially it can always happen then you run into a counter-attack but if you 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 should really know how to defend a last minute corner this is mm-hmm. like obviously the the perfect setup for a last minute winner and they just didn't defend that very well uh and yeah in the end um Timo Schultz said after the game that he's happy with the result that um they showed some good football they Obviously, not everything is great, but it's it's a starter, and um, obviously, getting a point against Paderborn is also not that bad. Obviously, so yeah, and I mean they they have a quite challenging game coming up um, with Kreuterfurt on the weekend um, because we know Fürth has come or is able to create chances. And the thing is, uh, whether St. Pauli will kind of try to not give them too many. <laughs> because, I mean, it's still, there's a still thing. And obviously with Paramount, um, they play Magdeburg um, at home. So, seeing, I mean, we're going to talk about the Magdeburg game later. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, maybe not nine goals, but a couple of more goals here as well. Although I do think, just already spoiling this, um, if Paderborn scores the first or the first two goals, I don't really see Magdeburg coming back here because, yeah, just no offense to Kaiserslautern, but you can't really compare the two teams. So, uh, yeah, I think it was... Um, some sort of advertisement for football, nevertheless, in a way. Um, just, uh, yeah, it's it's more than 90 minutes, <laughs> quite literally, here. So, yeah. Yeah, it is a case of, you know, taking advantage of every minute. And, yeah, as always, games are, are categorised by moments and impacts. And, and, obviously, the substitutions really worked for, for, for Timo Schultz, bringing on Amanito and, and Lucas Zander. Zander had the, the assist for the for the Amanito goal. And it's an important result for them because if you if it was a defeat for St. Pauli, which would have been four points in, my, in the kick tip um, at 2-1. But, uh, yeah, it would have certainly made things very interesting that game against Greutherford's tricky they've got a lot to play for this is going to be a world feed game as well um so again check your local listings but ESPN plus being sports connected Australia Sky again we have no idea but you know but um 
yeah, I think I think the one thing that comes out of it for me is that, um, you know, it's so easy to kind of lie down and and take the defeat after conceding a stoppage time goal like they did, um, but yeah, they showed really good character. Um, where's Brendan Rodgers? He would love that great character, and and in the end, they they did enough. It could have easily been different if Pacarada scores the penalty. Then you know it's it's probably a different game, but. Um, yeah, good result for, for St. Pauli and, and Paderborn. It's only four points away from home this season. That's mid-table. A lot of teams have got four points away from home. There are others we'll talk about later who are basically perfect. Now, let's swing to the Merkstadion and Ballenfortor. It's Darmstadt. It's Heidenheim. This was another topsy-turvy game and one where a particular team was unable to hold the advantage. That team would be Darmstadt. When Brandon Manu opened the scoring on 36 minutes, Darmstadt really controlled the middle phase of the game. They were able to get into great spaces. They put the defense under pressure. They had opportunities, and then they conceded. Patrick Meinke on 70 minutes. Wonderfully worked ball in, and Meinke was on there to head home. Six minutes later, Darmstadt would take the lead again. Marvin Mellem's initial shot hitting the frame of the goal, and it sat nicely for Frank Ronstadt who got his first goal of the season. He was a sub. Uh, he came on for Fabian Holland at half-time. But, much like Paderborn, Darmstadt were unable to hold the lead. Um, if my ears were hearing correctly, Darmstadt have a chant that's similar to like, na-na-na-na, na-na-na-na, hey, goodbye, but a Darmstadt variant. Anyway, that couldn't have been the worst chant to put at that time because Heidenheim scored as that chant started to get going. Um, I feel like there's something in that. Maybe minor, who knows? Reading reading a bit too much. But in the end, 2-2 the final score. Both managers uh, relatively happy, I think, Darmstadt, uh, Heidenheim more so uh, because either Darmstadt for, I would say, the middle phase of the game, a good you know, 45 to 60 minutes. They were the team on top. They really had the advantage, but uh, defending crosses and set pieces seemed to be a bit of an issue for a team that has some decent height at the back, likes of Patrick Pfeiffer, uh, Christoph Zimmerman, and they will be really disappointed because in those two scenes, they really dropped the ball, and in the end, it's cost them three points. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, obviously, Kleinitz knows how to handle his height and his mm. his body strength um i think it's completely okay that the goal was given and wasn't a foul in in my opinion at the if you if if the ref says okay this is too much wouldn't be surprised either in a way uh but um yeah i mean uh it was a very well-timed cross and uh this is something we know from heidenheim uh really what they're what they're looking for either if it's from set pieces or from open play. Uh, this is always something you have to look out for uh, 90 minutes straight. Um, and I mean, you, you guys say someone who really stood up for Heidenheim as well when he was needed was uh, Kevin Miller. He, he caps where he capped Heidenheim in the game at least twice. Um, I mean, and I, by this is probably one of those match days I'm, where it more likely want to talk about the assists than talk about the goals themselves because uh, the second goal, just the build-up with Bada, Teeds, Milam, and then 
fighting Ronsha was very well played, very well put by by Darmstadt. Um, I thought in general we saw a lot of great assists this match days, where you could really see how important it is that you don't only have someone who really finishes it, but that you have your your team players with you who who look out for that. And we have had plenty of those situations. The second goal for Darmstadt was one of them. Um, I had the feeling that Heidenheim had a lot of problems defending um, the half space. You could always see a lot of space for Darmstadt there. Too easy for for Darmstadt to to have one pass through. Um, that was not very well put by Heidenheim. I thought that Darmstadt had too much uh, opportunities from inside the box or coming into into the box, uh, essentially. Um, Milam had a good good game as well, uh, but that that pass by Schnellhardt to Manu is also really, really, really good one. So, yeah, I think, as you've mentioned, in the end, Heidenheim is a bit more happy, uh, but it's also a very great result from them for them away from home. I mean, it was uh, second versus third, I think. Going into the game now, it's second versus fourth. Uh, but yeah, nevertheless, a good football game. I think in the end, it, it maybe Damshire was just not accurate enough in, in their shots on target. Philip Tietz had five shots on goal, but none of them were really on target. Um, this is something I think Heidenheim then tried to let them into the box, but not let them take a clear shot. Um, but yeah, I've, I think uh, it was it was a good game. Um, so <clears throat> Darmstadt plays high, uh, Bielefeld. They have two consecutive home games now. Uh, play the second game at home now. Um, obviously, yeah, it's clear who is going to be the favorite in this game, but. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see how this one goes out, obviously. And Heidenheim plays Düsseldorf. Uh, and I think it's completely fair. This is a Friday night game, although obviously for fans, it is not. <laughs> uh, from Düsseldorf to Heidenheim, it's just mm. not. Mm. You're not there in like two minutes. Um, but I think it's actually a really, really interesting game because we will talk about Düsseldorf later on. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm... I think it's it could be a very it could be probably a nil nil game because both teams kind of do not know what to do and obviously we know how good Heidenheim's de- defense is but um, yeah actually uh, I think it's uh, really deserved this is a floodlight floodlight complete mm. uh, um, a game game of lights so yeah I think uh, this could have been. Easily uh, a world feed game as well. I mean, it's Friday night game, so probably this is yeah why it, it's not. I mean, they they have well. I mean, Bielefeld was a world feed game, and that was Friday nights, and and you know true. I'm stupid. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe they still probably should have picked another game like the the one the two that we've mentioned, but you know uh, the DFL control and the broadcast partners control. Which games get shown? That's why Hamburg have got another three consecutive World Feed games coming up. Um, so yeah, ultimately, yeah, I think Eva pretty much covered it. You know, Darmstadt didn't take their chances. Uh, Kevin Muller was brilliant. 
and in the end a 2-2 draw is the final result. Now let's move to the Heights, the Heinz von Heiden Arena in Hanover. Hanover taking on Greuther Fürth. This was built up as a pretty important game, of course. Stefan Lytle taking on his former employers for the very first time. Mark Schneider seeking win number one for de Kleeblatt. Interesting first half. Not a lot of ch- not a lot going on for either side. I mean, Fürth had plenty of chances. They had eight shots in the first half. Um, Ron Robertsila was kept busy, um, and it's not as if you couldn't spot him in that uh, bright pink uh, goalkeeper shirt that he was uh, wearing. Um, so some good saves early on, kept um, Abiyama out, and nil-nil was the start into the first break. Then Hanover kicked into gear uh, just moments after the break. Maximilian Bayer scoring past uh, Andreas Linder. And Hanover taking a leaf. Stefan Lytle, very, very happy. But, well, let's just say that Hanover let themselves down a little bit defensively in late in the second half. Uh, Afemiko Pululu with a wonderful goal on 81 minutes. Grotefer taking an equaliser. And they seem to get a point. It looked like they were on course for a point and it might have been well-deserved. However, five minutes later, they would give that goal up and it would be a familiar name who would haunt them in the end Harvard Nielsen heading home on 86 minutes and Hanover make it three consecutive wins Furt fall to 17th in the table so there's a lot to unpack Stefan Lytle very very happy Hanover starting to trend in the, the right direction but I feel we should take the approach on Gruder Furt here they seem to me like a team that is very capable of boasting a big score in a game. Like, they could hit a team for four or five goals. The problem they have is that they lose... What seems to me is they seem to lose a lot of energy and enthusiasm to the game when they concede goals, which understandable, but it seems to have a really dire effect to the way they play, and it takes them a while to get going. They did come back in this game, but then eventually they gave the goal back. So where do the issues lie for Greta Furt, Eva? Because, yeah, let's just say the start of this season has been far from optimal. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, in a way, when you looked at that first half, I think not only us, but also Furt gave fans got a, lot, a couple of flashbacks to the Kaiserslautern game. I was like, great, we... <laughs> We're the better team because Hanover was really, really disappointing in the first half. But we can't really manage to do something about this. And I mean, I think you had Asta on the pitch for the first half. Abiyama Hugota, obviously, who extended his contract until 2026. Um, We weren't sure if he would leave for it. Um, And you have so much offensive power on the pitch, but you just can't bring it on the score sheet. Mark Schneider said before the game, guys, you really need to, yeah, I know, just give yourself something back for the performances you laid down on the pitch, but this is not how football works. I mean, I I know this from personal experience. You just have to, it, they, there is a lot of good football in this, but the thing is they, like, I have the feeling from time to time, it's just 
too complicated. They just search for second and third pass to play to, or they take it too fast. But it's never the right portion uh, going forward. And I mean, obviously, then um, conceding conceding those goals. I mean, the the uh, the goal by Baya is excellent. Uh, the build up for this as well. Um, I'm not sure. I think this is something we probably have to discuss. Um, the way Kunze and Leopold tackle Russell. I think if it's... I mean... I think it looks a bit weird because it's two versus one. Mm. I think if the referee says... Like, says in the moment, okay, no, guys, it's a foul. You can't really argue otherwise but I also do understand when I think when he has the communication with the VAI and he said did you see that and he says yeah it wasn't a foul to me or it was compared to the game it was relatively normal then it's fine um, and then yeah I mean obviously Kuhn was um, uh, Kuhn was lively as well you had that one scene where Linda is uh, looking against the sun and can't really see the shot and then it looks a bit a bit weird um i was actually not sure because when they showed the scenes or the like the lines for the pululu goal and they were like so this is clearly not offside i was like okay so this very 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 close call in my opinion um and then yeah i mean the in a way it's it's tragic that the 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 two one obviously is coming from Nielsen, but also it's basically I think it's an own deflected ball, so they try to clear the ball, but they can't, and then it's coming back to them, mm. and it's just looks very very unfortunate, and obviously once again crossed by Kuhn. Um, which was perfect, and uh, yeah, then obviously the goal by Nielsen. Yeah, I mean, as mentioned before, it doesn't get easier for Fürth, Um with like just you don't really know where they should pull the confidence from at this stage. They haven't won. It's not like they play bad. It's not like they don't come to chances. It's just that with all the chances they have they make two easy mistakes with in midfield in the back and um yeah at some stage you can't really pull something out of that and i think um yeah as mentioned this like pauli game is going to be very very important but um i would go a week further um with the game against magdeburg it's going to be huge um they they ha- I'm going to say this now, but they have to win this. A draw is not enough. They have to win this. Seeing the table constellation, um, seeing that they're playing Paderborn the week after. It's it's. We say this week in and week out. No game is easy in the Zweite Liga, but just from the get-go, not the whole focus on St. Pauli, but really, really the Magdeburg game in two weeks' time. This is going to be the big one, and they really, really need to win this. Otherwise, I'm not sure. I mean, probably, obviously, the first reaction is to to look 
at the coach, I'm not sure if you have to look at Azuzi as well. Um, I mean, just from I mean, I didn't really get their their squad in the in the Bundesliga. I do not still get it completely in 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 League Two. Um, yeah, I think. And I, I just saw that by by Michael Fischer, who's um, who's a journalist covering Fjord. Um and he posted the lineup. I was like, yeah, I have no idea to, what to say to this. And I think if you have this feeling this early in the season, it's never a good sign. When you have the feeling this is uh, like a really tragic try on in the lineup. With with the starting eleven, so yeah. For for um, Hannover playing at Rostock, it's going to be an interesting game, I would assume as well, knowing how how good Rostock is at home, and then obviously you have the derby versus Eintracht Braunschweig, um, which is still I think not sold out. Kind of weird, um, yeah. So. Probably for both Hanover and Fürth, it's maybe not the... Although for, for Hanover, I think the Rostock game is really going to be one of those games where you think, or where you look at it, is, are they really that good? Because once again, we said this, I think, I'm, I'm not completely sure what, what to say about them. Those are This is one of the teams I spoke about in the intro where I'm not sure what three wins in a row really means here. Um because obviously there were some good football. Um, Leopold was great. Um, but still, it took them 45 minutes or 52 in the end to really put something on the pitch. And it would have been, if they would have played a team who can do a bit more with their chance as they create, I'm not sure they would have won this yeah i'm not sure i mean the game changes if if abiyama scores that opportunity in the first half and it's a different there's a different feel and it's, it's the classic as we discuss every week there are the, the moments and, and zealand makes the save and we move on um we move on with the game and in the end you know when the chances were there to be had um Hanover took them. Pretty simple. Um, it is interesting, though, to look at the lineup that Stefan Lytle is putting out now, seeing that uh, Enzo Leopold, who was, as Eva mentioned, really, really good in this game, uh, is keeping out the likes of Max Bushushkov, Louis Schaub, uh, Sebastian Kirk, who could be on his way out. Not sure. He's got... I mean, if you're going to get a fee for him, now's the time. Otherwise, you'll probably... You'll be gone in the summer. Um, but uh, yeah, he he's impressive along alongside Fabian Kunze, who I'm sure will pick up a yellow card next week and get be the first player of the season to uh, get the uh, the first match ban for more yellow cards. I mean, he really has molded into a Klaus Jazula, and uh, I'm sure he would be Jazula would be very very proud that there is in fact another one who brings that same tackling intensity uh, as he does. We already have a player out for fifth yellow card. It's Fabian Holland. Ah, He's the first one. Say la vie. 
he will he will miss the Beale Effect game. So sad. So sad. About he this. Uh, well, I mean, he learns from the best. He gets to train with him, so it makes sense. So, yeah, they do exist, and we've only played six match days, so it will be interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, big couple of games coming up. Furt, they've made a couple of signings. Marco Yon from uh, is it Yon or John? I don't know. Is it Yon because he's German? I think it's Yon. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's on. He's on loan from Hoffenheim. He did play. He actually started on the weekend. They also signed Polish centre back Damian Michalski uh, from uh, Wisla Pluk in Poland. Uh, he comes and they they're plugging and playing and they still haven't figured out who their best defense is but we shall see let's take a break because we need a break and on the other side we're going to discuss one of the games of the round at the fritz Walter stadion it was kaiserslautern and magdeborg Ah, to the game that brought all the goals at the Fritz Walter Stadion, Kaiserslautern and Magdeburg, two sides promoted from the Dritzeliga last season, put on a dazzling display of defensive incompetence and lots of, lots of goals. 4-4, the final score in the end, and the ebbs and flows of this one were, uh, oh boy, edge-of-your-seat stuff. And it started just seven minutes in when Kaiserslautern took the lead, Marlon Ritter set piece, uh, finding Terence Boyd. Boyd deflecting the shot. Tour for FC Cup. Boyd has three goals this season. Uh, he's proven to be a bit nifty up the top. But Magdeburg shifted gears and a spell of 11 minutes wielded three goals. Moritz Bruni Kwarteng was outstanding in this game. He opened Magdeburg's, Magdeburg's account when uh, Mo El Hankuri provided a wonderful assist. This was initially checked by referee Dr. Robin Braun, but in the end, the goal would stand Kwarteng just on side. Kwarteng would then return the favour just six minutes later when he played through El Hankuri and 2-1. Wonderful goal in the end, well worked, and it certainly looked like Magdeburg were on their way, especially when five minutes later... Kwarteng had his second goal of the game, and he would technically, in ice hockey, have three points after Jamie Lawrence won the ball, beating Boyd in a duel, uh, and then Kwarteng, with a brilliant bit of individual uh, brilliance, I don't know why I said that word twice, uh, but 3-1 after 22 minutes, and Magdeburg had the momentum, but Kaiserslautern would then fight back just five minutes before the break. Philip Clement, who signed from Stuttgart, uh, he made his first start as well. He found Boris Tomiak and 2-3 it would be. Magdeburg nearly scored again, uh, but uh, Tatsuyo Ito couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Jean Zimmer headed the ball past Andy Luter and then was able to clear it off the line. So, a chaotic first half, five goals, and you would think the drama would subside. You would be wrong. Because just two minutes into the second half, Marlon Ritter again finding Philip Herscher. And Herscher getting his second goal in consecutive games. He scored early in the second half of last week's game against Greuther Furt. Then Kaiserslautern would retake the lead when uh, Philip Clement was fouled in the area by Amara Conde and Mike Wunderlich getting goal number three as well. <sighs> But you would think then, that's the drama. You would think that would be it, but you would also be wrong. 
because on 79 minutes, Jason Checker's cross uh, was bundled in by Boris Tomiak, who would score an own goal. And that would be that. 4-4, four, four, the final score. Uh, is the second highest scoring game of the season with eight goals. What a game it was. Drama till the end. Maybe a fair reflection of the game and a fair result, but uh, definitely one that the patrons got their money's worth. Yeah, and I mean, um, Schuster said in the end, uh, win wouldn't have been deserved for Kaiserslautern um, just because they... Um, yeah, had too many defensive arrows in their game. I mean, you got really got a hand it to to Magdeburg. Um, there were a lot of talks that Artic is still missing, but especially Quateng and Elhan Kuri really, really stepped up in this game in the first half. Whenever there was some sort of action in front of the goal, both of them were involved. And I mean, you uh, you've mentioned Philip Clement um, before he made that assist. He had a very unfortunate, um, yeah, I don't know. You you could say moment in the game where him and Marlon Ritter in midfield just completely let Quateng do his thing. So there is no pressure at all on Quateng. He can basically go through uh, the Kaiserslautern defense after Clement and Ritter do not do anything in midfield. Um, yeah, and I mean, it, uh, you could really see that just the, to be up front for Magdeburg, that it really gave them confidence and they, it gave them, yeah, the confidence come to come back after Kaiserslautern was in front. And I think it was, uh, yeah, I think, I don't remember who it was. Um, I think it was Conde, um, after the game who said, um, yeah, that, uh, Obviously, not everything is great, but it really showed them what they could do, that they can score goals, that they can step up, that they have a chance in the game, that they can come back after an early, after conceding a goal, goal very early in the game. Um, yeah, and I think uh, in the end, it could have been even more goals for Magdeburg. Luther was really, really good in goal. Off, I mean, it sounds weird when you concede for goals, but it was really his fault. I mean, um, we've been unlucky with our, with our own goal, but I think there was this one scene where I do not really know what Luther is doing, but it looks like a really funny save uh, in the second half where he, I don't know, just jumps out of the... Uh, out of the goal it looks it looks very weird but yeah i mean um i think it's uh quite interesting uh that she said that um wouldn't wouldn't have been deserved due to yeah the lack of of quality that was missing from time to time um we spoke about martin playing paddleball next um it's going to be another Another really important test, but once again, the game versus Fjord afterwards is going to be a bit more important for them. Just if you look at the table constellation, and Kaiserslautern is playing in Sandhausen. Obviously, Kaiserslautern in a bit better mood at the moment than Sandhausen. Um, they're gonna, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tricky one, um, especially because. I still have the feeling away from home. Kaiserslautern is not as confident, not as 
kind of breakthrough mentality like uh, as they are at home. So, yeah, this is going to be interesting as well. But, uh, yeah, I think this is uh, this is was one of the games where you finally could see what Magdeburg was great at in in the uh, in the Dritte Liga last season, apart from Arctic. And uh, I think it gave all the other players a bit more confidence going forward because it's not only the talks of Arctic, but um, as mentioned, Moritz Boni Kwateng was, was great in this game. And um, yeah, I think he can really look forward to what he can do this season. Yeah, I found it interesting though, at the break, the change to have Kwateng operate more on the left-hand side. He seemed to have really good uh, chemistry with uh, Elan Kuri. Um, you know, it was a strange one and the goals that they gave up, you know, in the, um, second half, the, 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 the one for the, the three, three, you know, cross from the, the right wing, um, you know, it was, wasn't great. I think, I think Dirk Schuster's assessment was right. It would have been a bit unjust if either team had won the game, um, Despite it being incredible, um, I, I'm I'm intrigued to see Kaiserslautern going forward with Clement and Ritter, both very creative players, uh, not always known for their defensive work ethic or work rate. I mean, Ritter maybe more so than Clement, um, but ultimately, you know, we'll see if it works through time. I did find it interesting that Schuster switched to a back three at half time, um, bringing on. Robert Bournemouth, who who was at Paderborn, uh, didn't play a minute and and is there, and they were okay as a back three. I don't know if that will be the 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 way going forward, but you know definitely, um, you know bringing on you know Hanslick um, certainly helped a little bit, but you know it's a good result regardless for 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 both teams. You know, Kaiserslautern in the top six, they've had a really good start, but that the the conceding goals, you know, is bad. That there are teams worse than them in the um in the top half of the table, but when you're going at nearly two goals a game, um, that's definitely something they'll want to shore up. Whether they bring in more players during the window, I would be surprised. But um, it's all about really establishing a starting eleven that can be strong defensively and could continue to score goals like they have. Now, let's move to the top spieler. Uh, this was at the Max Morlock Stadion. It was Nuremberg and Hamburg. Saturday night football. And uh, yeah, big game for both sides. Hamburg wanting to atone for the defeat to, at home to Darmstadt. Nuremberg hoping to make it two wins in a row. Nuremberg certainly had the better of the chances early on. Daniel Hoyer Fernandez was kept very, very busy but they were unable to break the Hamburg defence, and as is often the case when you don't take your chances, the other team will. And Mario Vushkovic, uh, with a wonderful volley on 37 minutes, giving Haasvall uh, a 1-0 lead heading into the break. They continued to press, did um, Nuremberg. Mats Daly would come close. But ultimately, they uh, reverted to an old self where they just never seemed like they had enough in the final third. And in stoppage time, Robert Glatzel would get back on the score sheet and Hamburg takes an important win 
Um, it puts them back into the top three. It is their fourth clean sheet this season, and they are three wins from three away from the Volkspark Stadion. Uh, they had some impressive players. I uh, thought Dompe was really good in his first start. Obviously, they, they uh, are without Konigsdorfer. Um, and my mind has gone blank. Who was the other player? Um, or Poku. That's it, Poku, but he might be gone through the window. Um, so, not through a literal window, but the transfer window, which is still going as we speak, and there might be deals happening. But let's actually talk about this game. Um, it wasn't all convincing for Hamburg, I don't think. I think I think Nuremberg had their chances, but it, it was kind of the tale of both teams' uh, short stories so far as uh, Chapter Six of the of the uh, this thirty four chapter book continues. Uh, one team just able to find ways when it seems unlikely, whereas the other uh, just cannot for the just they just continue to struggle in front of goal. Yeah, I mean. Um... We had a couple of games where HSV were the were the deserved winner, although they didn't have to put everything on the pitch for that. Um, but one pl- player I really want to highlight once again is Mario Wuskovic. I said this before. I think if if Hammer can hold him over tomorrow, so when the transfer window closes. Um, it's the is their biggest win this season, or at least for the first half of this season, because he's such a great player. He's such a what first and foremost, he's a very very good defender. But then he has moments like this where he, I mean, it's a great goal. Uh, just just a really really great goal that he scores there. And um, yeah, I think he's one of the the most important players Hamburg has. They're obviously the highlight is always on on players like Kittel and Glatzel, uh, even Hoyer Fernandez. But I think yeah, Mario Vuskovic is um, always when he has a very very high pass success rate. Um, he's just very important because he brings stability um, and into that last line of defending before you get it gets to the uh, goalkeeper and that is already a success um for for Nuremberg I mean this is the second game where we probably have to talk about Daferna as well where he where he has a chance in front of the goal and just doesn't hit it properly um it just fits the the just the the momentum Nuremberg is in probably at the moment. Um, But what I, if we take a look back at Hamburg again, what I was looking at this game that you always have one player who is kind of blocking away the other Nuremberg players. Um, I think uh, Glatzel does this before the 1-0 where he just, because of his presence in um, in the box, he already attracts one, at least one, if not even two players, comes to him, and then he uses his body to just pull them away and keeps them away. Uh, and you saw this a couple of times in this game, although it was not always leading to a goal. But uh, Nuremberg had problems with getting out of that. Um, and obviously, for the second goal, very well timed cross by Kittel, and then you have even two players on the back post with Reis and Glatzer. So 
even if Glatzen misses, you have Reis behind him. So, yeah, this would have probably been a goal, which also means it can't really be that there are not one, but even two players free on the back post um, when, when a cross comes in. Um, so, yeah, for Nürnberg, um, yeah, they they play Braunschweig next and then Amina Bielefeld, so two players from the bottom half of the table um, and both Friday night games also. This is, once again, how fan unfriendly is something going to be? Because from Nuremberg to Braunschweig, it's you can't. It's it's more or less a ten-hour trip, and you're there the next morning at five a.m. Same for the Bielefeld fans. The week after, um, it's it's just a shame because, like, fans wanna wanna go, but it basically means they have mm-hmm. to take two vacation days so they so they have to take the vacation on Friday and then obviously if they have to work on Saturdays as well that's um I don't really understand it I think it's a shame especially because uh, even Lothar Matteo says uh, it's great how how the stadiums are at the moment well maybe except ask Dennis Geiger about Hoffenheim Augsburg he would tell you something differently <laughs> but um yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a shame because more could happen if just the times would be a bit more fan-friendly. And, for example, Saturday night, Rostock-Bielefeld, Friday night, Braunschweig-Nürnberg or Düsseldorf-Eidenheim. It's just very, very difficult to come there in in big numbers if you don't want to go there by car uh, because train is basically nearly impossible and if you don't want to spend the night there which makes it even more expensive so yeah um, we will see what the dfl thinks about this um i think we will see the new releases at some it was announced it's going to be this week Uh, they're probably going to wait for the um however the game is going to end tonight in the dfp pokal surprise um but yeah nevertheless um this was my small rant about this. Good three points for Hamburg. Obviously climbed to third place, which we mentioned before. Um, and obviously they have uh, another three uh, world cast broadcast. I can't speak. I'm so sorry. Uh, games coming up. So, hey. Yeah, I think that's four or five world feed games they'll have in a row, which is you know really w- way to diversify the uh the portfolio congratulations um yeah but i guess if you keep winning then you should get world feed treatment so yeah interesting um from a personal standpoint i'd love to see vushkovic in the bundesliga there's a particular team that's just lost a central defender to a team in italy and he would fit the mold quite well but you could understand that heimberg would want in the range of 15 20 million and I would understand that he's got the value of that young centre-back with high potential who is just been unbelievable the first year and a bit he's been in Hamburg. So, yeah, I would love to see it happen, but it won't happen. Um, I, I would be surprised unless a Premier League club comes in or a club's like, here's 20 million, we'll, we'll take him very much. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah, not a lot to report other than that, except for Nürnberg, of course. Uh, Tobias Schweinsteiger is gone. 
He's now going to coach Val for Osnabrück. He took the place of Daniel Scherning, who's now coaching Bielefeld. As we mentioned last week, he took charge of that 1-1 draw at Heidenheim. His first home game in charge. They take on Bra- they took on Braunschweig. He was hoping to give Bielefeld their first home victory since February when they beat Union Berlin. That seems like a long time ago, considering we're basically in September, which is practically November, and by then it will be the end of the year. So, yeah, the the year has gone quickly, and it has been a long time, but there was hope. Maybe. There was hope. And uh, it was done in a quick spell of nine minutes. Bit of a theme going on is that goals in quick succession. Bielefeld did that, and uh, it was done via the wonderful left boot of Bastian Ochikpa. He had two assists in this game. He assisted uh, Brian Lazme for the opener. Uh, then a bit of luck and a bundling and just trying to wheel the ball in when Robin Huck um, was able to assist. the sec- Did he- I think he got his credit for the second goal as an assist. Oliver Husing was headering it, hacking it at it, just trying to get the ball in, and eventually it went in. As you could tell probably from the uh, reaction, there was a lot of confusion, but eventually a goal was given. And then Ochikpa, again, this was the the pick of the assist, a delicate dinking ball into the box to Robin Huck, and Huck, the wonderful first-time volley, and he puts the ball in the back of the net for 3-0. Then, a little scare. There was a little scare when Braunschweig were able to pull a goal back from a corner. Emmanuel Farai, uh, well, he, I think he was going for goal. Uh, a bit of confusion between Lasme and Freisel. Freisel, of course, making his debut. And uh, the ball gets bundled home, but it didn't matter at all. As uh, With only their second chance of the second half, Sebastian Vasiliadis plays through Messiah Okugawa and Okugawa puts the ball through the legs of Yasmin Fezic, and that would be game, set, and match. It's Bielefeld's first win of the season. It's been a busy week from the game and currently. But uh, let's talk about uh, a player who was in outstanding form. He carried over from his excellent game the week before. It was Robin Huck. He's decided to stay in Bielefeld. That brought the smile on Eva's face. And let's talk about him because... um, he was once again in really good form, and we talked about how important it was for him this season to bring a bit more to the table. His spell at Bielefeld has been disappointing, I think might be the best way to describe it, but he, along with Okugawa, were both fantastic. Yeah, I would freely agree, and I mean, this is uh, something we talked about, that you from under 40, you had the feeling that um, they had to concentrate too much on offensive work. That's why they weren't creative enough up front and this happened in this game as well you could really see if you let them do their thing they can do it I mean and there was even uh, there could have even been a fourth goal in the first half when um, I think it's once again a chip go on the left side and then um, Kovinak with a, a Rabona and it finds uh, Yanni Serra, who then passes uh, through to Masaya Okugawa who then misses it but all in all I mean um this is something we expected of it. We're still, I mean, the Okugawa move away was being declined by Bielefeld as well. We still don't 
know something about this, but Hux says like he's really happier at the moment. I think, yeah, he also had celebrated his birthday here on Saturday, and you saw a couple of um, uh, video or just Instagram stories with him, and they just a couple of players. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it was. This is something I talked about week in and week out. This is something the team really needed. Really happy for Lasma as well. I said this last week. Um, he was in right spaces a lot of times, but just didn't look lucky. There was another chance for him in the second half. And even Yanni Serra, although he didn't score, he, I mean, three of the players behind him scored. And this was also at least for he he always pulled players to him uh he was just in right spaces and i say this once again if it would have been far be close instead of him people would cheer him up for this but because it's yanni Serra, he always gets the boot and i don't yeah i know why but i think it's not really fair um also happy for Husing. he had that one misstep in the first half with a with a chance by ucha but otherwise Solid performance and obviously really, really solid performance by Bastiano Chipka. He was a great signing. Um, I know people weren't sure about him, but I mean, we scored two goals after set pieces in the league game. I mean, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you beautiful. Um, and yeah, I think all in all, nobody's here over. Yeah, we're putting this on, on a too high of a shelf, but it was just very important scoring those many goals and obviously um, we have to talk about the midfield as well I mean I was very harsh in criticizing Sebastian um, Vassiliadis the past couple of weeks he had a great game a uh, really really great game uh, together with Lepinica and um, I think uh, yeah for, for Manuel Bridel it's going to be very very difficult coming back into that midfield because as for now I mean um Lipinita wasn't here for a long time and he, I mean, he doesn't speak um, German, he doesn't speak English very well, but it doesn't seem to be a problem as for now. Um, there were a couple of communication problems on the pitch from time to time, but all in all, um, very solid. Then, obviously, uh, Noel Niemann and Florian Krüger left Um Florian Kringer, very unlucky stay here, but I think it's right. I mean, you get money for him. He just didn't really work out. And um, you just had too many players up front. And I know that once again, there's talks of, well, the Ausbildungsverein didn't work. Well, I mean, we still have Lasme and Huck that scored on the weekend. And they're young players as well. You still have players on the likes of Inche. Um, and it doesn't really make sense to have too many young players who then can't play because there can only be 11 players on the pitch and you can't just put, I don't know, seven offensive players on the pitch. This is not how football works or how it should work. Um, so, yeah, I'm fine with those moves. And, um, yeah, um, Klünter was, was... So the Klünter and, and Andrade, who obviously played for Zitla and Jekyll, were... Very solid as well. Um, I know that the word talks why Ramos didn't play instead of uh, Andrade. Well, Ramos is more or less the backup for for Husing. Wouldn't really have made sense. Um, so, yeah, I'm fine with the result for Eintracht Braunschweig. I know 
that the highlight is not really on Michael Schiele, but either on, on Vollmann. So, the, uh, yeah, guy responsible for the manager sport, you, you say in German, but um, who is responsible for the squad. And I do understand that there are talks like that the the squad he gave Michael Schiele is just not equipped yeah. for this, the second league. Um, and I think you can't fully put it on Schiele, but I mean, I it was just, you should not concede nine goals versus the team. Obviously, you came down from the Bundesliga, but who is definitely not in a better shape than you. Um just yeah it's, it's it is fatal and um they just although there were this one time they they won more duels than their opponents just the important ones they did not win i mean if you just look at the um duel between Vasiliades and the Braunschweig player before the 4-1 um it's too easy for Vasiliades to intercept there and yeah I mean, it doesn't look good for them. Um, they play Nuremberg, then Hanover and Karlsruhe. Uh, they should at least get probably three points against Nuremberg just to come out of there. And it, it can be possible if they actually manage to score the goals. They try to build up, but um, yeah, it's not really working so far yeah but they can't defend as well like this squad is uh, is correctly assessed as incredibly inadequate to play Svita Bundesliga football and it's evident in the first six games of the season that it's going to be it's going to be a very short stay um, they've got too many que- we, we were all a bit unsure what their team could do going forward and we were Surprised when they they produced that that game against Hamburg, despite not scoring, they were like, okay, they could be this. And since then, it just doesn't feel like they've got any court. Like, and they would be a really good Drittliga team at the moment. They've got problems in goal. Yasmin Fazic has been he was really poor. I felt in the in the game on Friday night, he made a bunch of mistakes. Positioning was super poor on the hack goal because um, he gets caught between wanting to come out and punch and then he decides to stay and he leaves a gaping hole at the near post. Um, he fu- he had that fumble in the first half which almost led to a goal and just doesn't seem settled and do they go back to Ron Torben Hoffman? I think they should, but you know I'm not the coach and yeah, they just, they, they look lost. They really don't, the, the pieces don't fit together. Um that they're very much like a puzzle that's got all kinds of different pieces like uh if you're doing yeah it's just it's just a mess and with the window about to close and I just don't see how this team turns it around I mean obviously winning changes a lot of perspectives but yeah they they're in strife and you know two of the next three games are against sides that are in winning form um and we'll talk about Karlsruhe in a moment So, let's take a break. Our final break. And on the other side, we'll talk about our Group 3 games and, of course, our kick tip. (laughs) 
We start Group 3 in Dusseldorf. Fortuna took on Jan Regensburg on Friday night. A massive game for the Jan. They were hoping to break a, a, a streak of three games without a goal. Fortuna hoping to atone for the miserable result in Braunschweig last Saturday evening. A pretty meek first half. Not much really happened. Jan had a chance. Dusseldorf had a couple of chances. But nil-nil at the break. Representative of where both teams were at. But the, the game was torn to pieces in the second half, and it was Fortuna Dusseldorf doing all of the damage. It started on 59 minutes when Daniel Ginchek opened the scoring. Dion Stjanovic won't be happy with how that ended up beating his near post. Then a penalty just six minutes later. Felix Klaus was fouled by Leon Guevara. Uh, Klaus just a bit nifty, a bit more craftier. Guevara looked really clumsy, and in the end, a penalty was given. Kovnatsky putting the ball in the back of the net. And it was 2-0. Then, the third came on 78 minutes. This time, Klaus was the recipient of the goal. Wonderful ball in out wide. He puts it at the near post. And again, Stojanovic probably should have done a lot better. Um, but uh, yeah, not one to look forward to. But the fourth goal was probably one of the slapstick variety. And Faber was the unfortunate uh, miscreant in this one. Uh, as the ball came in from Bach... It was a... Well, he tried to clear the ball. He fumbled, he bumbled, and then he laid it off to Shinta Applecamp, who then calmly put the ball in the back of the net uh, on 85 minutes, and that was your game. 4-0 the final score. It was the Kovnatsky and Ginsek show, both with a goal and an assist. A much-needed win for Fortuna Dusseldorf when we think about it. They've got some tough games coming up. Um, and they'd been a bit of a rut. This was their first win uh, in three games. Eva, what does this mean for Daniel Tune's side going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think this has a lot to do with Regensburg just not being good. <laughs> like, I think they were... They weren't off to a bad start, but they had a lot of problems with Dusseldorf's uh, pressing. Dusseldorf, um, especially... Uh, in the first half, seemed a bit unsure after the last results. Um, Greensburg just made too many mistakes in build-up play. And um, on the other hand, then Dissidor shots were too inaccurate in the first half. This really changed in the second half, um, as you just put out. Um, just had the feeling Jan Greensburg wasn't in the duels at all, or at least the, the important ones where... Yeah, they they won more duels, but they like they didn't look comfortable in what happened afterwards. You could say so. Um, when they won, uh, yeah, balls or from build up, it was always lost right away. Um, in general, just you can't defend like this. You you can't defend like like Greensburg did in this game. Um, they the last couple of weeks were incredibly bad. I, I have the feeling we jinxed it a bit um, when we said we weren't sure. And I didn't expect this. I said last week saying it again, I didn't expect this. Um, I mean, it all went down versus Hanover. But yeah, games versus Karlsruhe and Düsseldorf has 11 conceded goals in just three games. For 
them not conceding a goal before. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, and the, just Düsseldorf really, really put it on the pitch in the second half, first attempt, first goal in the second half. And um, yeah, Kovnatsky and Ginczek look much more comfortable there than, um, but yeah, I just wrote down for this at some stage, it was just Jesus Maria, because it just... <laughs> Completely broke open. It's Jan Ringsburg from last, like the second half of the season again. And as I said last week, I don't have the feeling at this stage, Messen Sennenberger, which has the tools to turn it around because they just conceded four goals in a half. They completely broke down, completely let everything slide. And what we saw against Karlsruhe as well, and this is, this is not a reaction. They didn't even look comfortable in the first half. It was just, thanks to Dizadov's mm. inability to score, that wasn't a six-goal again. And um, you can't even hand it... I mean, Stojanovic was still good. He saved 70% of the shots coming his way, 70 shots on goal, 10 on of that off t- on target. So it was not really his fault. So, Yeah. He he had obviously he did look good for at least two goals, but I mean without him it could have even been higher. So obviously it was not his best game, but still all in all, he wasn't the reason they lost this game. It was midfield defense, they weren't in the game, they always ran behind and um yeah, like especially at Paderborn is not going to be a pretty game for them if they keep defending like this. And then, I'm not sure about you, but I just don't have the feeling Sidney Begovic will be head coach at Jan Ringsburg for much longer because this time they only had three good games or three games they won Mm. or they did lose. And this... Yeah, and this like last season we said it over and over again. If they haven't hadn't had a good start into the season, they would have been relegated mm-hmm. because it was close. And I can't really imagine some someone who is responsible for their team's success to look at this and say, "Ah, oh, we will be fine." I. Like, Kiel is going to be a very weird game, but Paderborn and St. Pauli... I don't see them winning this at the stage. It would be very typical for them winning the game at Paderborn. Mm. But at this stage, I do not see how the mistakes they make in build-up in midfield will be used by Paderborn in a way that will be very fatal. I'm quite sure of that. Yeah, they were calamity again in that second half, and the moment they conceded, you were like, oh, this could get ugly. And the, and the craziest thing about it is it could have been even uglier had Fortuna taken advantage of the numerous opportunities they'd had in the first half. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really scared for uh, Blendy Adrizzi, who's just joined on loan from, uh, from Schalke, and I wish him all the best because he may need it. Um, 
but he's not going to fix all of their problems. They've got structural issues, and I we I think two seasons in a row have had Mercer Selenbegovic as the first manager to lose his job. Now, don't condone him losing his job. That's horrible. Just to disclaimer before someone uses that against me, but um, always felt like he was in a bit of strife. But again, they don't. They're almost similar to Braunschweig, but they've got the side of Bundesliga experience. Is that they don't have a squad that's they can they can cause some upsets, but they they just got no continuity in their game. For Dusseldorf, big win for them. It puts them in the top five. Um, really liked the the changes we saw. Reuven Hennings coming off the bench, um, and speaking to a few people who are in tune with the Polish game and. Uh, they're, they're very happy to see that David Kovnatsky is, is hitting some form and um, putting himself in a position because, of course, Poland are at the World Cup, so he'd want to do so. They've got Heidenheim away, as, as we mentioned earlier on in the program, so, yeah, interesting. But, yeah, Jan's next three games are brutal. Speaking of brutal, let's go to the team that beat them 6-0 the week before. That's Karlsruhe. They had Hansa Rostock on the weekend, and they were hoping to make it three wins in a row. They may have got off to a slow start, but let me tell you that the uh, the roof, if there was one, at the Vild Park would have been shut off into space when Philip Heiser scored a wonderful power-driving thunderbolt, beating Marcus Koldker on 18 minutes. He troubled the goal again later in the first half. Another thunderbolt that rattled the woodwork, and it was a, another warning shot for Hansa when Malik Batmaz, na 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 Batmaz, got goal number two of the season, and all three points sewn up for Karlsruhe. Big result for them, but also for Hansa, a big letdown because they had the big win over over Saint Pauli on the week in the week before. But uh, either they were nowhere near the mark, and the defeat was very much justified. Yeah, because they, first of all, didn't create chances themselves. Second of all, they didn't put pressure on the important Karlsruhe players. Um, I mean, Heiser could have scored um, a similar goal to the first one. Um, because for the second time, he was just wide open um, and could take the shot and... I mean, we had that situation situation a couple of weeks before where Koka um, made the mistake versus Darmstadt. And uh, this time it was uh, Rosbach, who I completely have no idea what he thinks he's doing. I mean, he makes the mistakes and doesn't react then at all. Um, Schleusner with, with really, really good pressing there as well. Uh, and I mean, Katsu looked much more close to scoring the third goal than than Rostock um scoring their first and um yeah I mean I'm not sure I I said before I I had the feeling they learned from their mistakes but yeah. in games like this obviously Kazu is in a really really good mood I mean they're, they're how they bounced back from the first two games is amazing but yeah Hansa didn't put anything up against that they yeah weren't really going forward at all um and yeah just they had only 
two shots on goal in the first half, none of them on target. Was a bit more, they, they tried a bit more in the second half, but was just too less. And um, yeah, they were a bit better in, in defending for, for the second half then. Um, but I mean, it doesn't really changes everything, anything if you then do not score up front then the result from the first half obviously stands and um, yeah I just had the feeling there were some sort of slower I mean they covered approximately the same distance as as Karlsruhe did Um, they were in the duels they had nearly as much possession as Karlsruhe did, nearly as much pass success, but they were just not using that to go forward. And, um, yeah, I think that was a huge, huge problem this game. Yeah, they really struggled in in offensive transition. Um, Karlsruhe, in, in many situations, were very well set up. It's clear that Ambrosius... Um, has been very good in the two games he's come in um, alongside Marcel Franker and yeah I, I lo- I'm starting to fall in love with their midfield Pau Nebel in particular is uh, I was just saying that's going around he's got that dog in him real hard worker really puts it on the line he's not the biggest fella out there but man puts his weight on the line really good on the ball he was good again um they just, yeah, they found an interesting mix where, you know, Vanitzek can play a bit deeper. Um, he plays a little bit more of a less centre midfield role. Um, but they've they've found a mix that works, especially with Schleusner and Batmaz up top. They can bring Rap on. They've got Kaufman, who's uh, still yet to come back from injury. And suddenly, you know, the first two games of the season, which were un- an incredible nightmare scenario, they've they look amazing. They, it's crazy. But this is the short-term nature of the beast that is football. And, you know, one week they can be absolutely awful. And the next week, you know, they... Wow, man, maybe this team could be in the top six. It's kind of... Um, that's kind of where they're at. We don't know if that's the... It's it's not really a realistic rep- representation of where they are. But they beat a Rostock side that just beat St. Pauli the week before... Um, and it's kind of crazy that it all started to turn around for them um, on match day three when they came from behind to beat... Sorry, match day four when they beat Zanhausen. It all started to come together. And now they're in a situation where you're like, well, three wins in a row. And they've got Hamburg on Saturday night at the Volkspark Stadion, which is a world feed game. And the lights shine bright on those games. Then you've got Heidenheim another tough game, but it's at home. And then you've got Braunschweig on Friday night. And if they're able to take four points, four or five points from those games, you're like, okay, you know, they're a good mid-table team that can mix it with the best. And it would also validate what everyone, what the industry thinks of Christian Eichner, which is he's a very talented young coach who warranted a little bit of interest from Bundesliga clubs. So he's doing a lot. I'm not going to name which club, one of the clubs. We already <laughs> we already know the clubs. Eva, Eva was ready to respond, and, and that's probably the perfect segue to move to the final game of the match day, Kiel and Zanhausen. This might be one of those games where the scoreline seemed a bit deceptive to the actual action. One goal in the end, that was Kiel. 
getting the goal. And it was Steven Skripski again. Uh, this time, it was a long-range effort to beat Patrick Druez. It means for Kiel, uh, a, a much-needed return to winning ways. But for Zanhausen, we've lauded them for a period of time. But it's now four defeats in their last five. They're really struggling to score goals. The thing is, though, defensively, they are still one of the top-rated teams in the league. But the problem they have is they don't seem to be able to respond to deficits. And this was another case where they had, you know, equal footing, but they can't they 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 can't overturn deficits. I don't know what it is, but um, they just don't seem to have a response when they concede a lead. And I mean, probably the best chance were was Chirov, and before that was Idini with a header. Idini. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I I really have the feeling I jinxed Sandhausen a bit because uh, when we had the pre-talk for the Rasen from Kurzpass, I was like, I really want to talk about Sandhausen, and everyone else is like, why? And I was like, well, I mean, they lost two games or three at that stage. I was like. But they still do good work. Um, yeah, I'm very sorry to all Sandhausen fans that I put that jinx on you guys. Um, no, but I mean they they had chances in the end with with Chirov where Dana saves both of them very well. Um, there were two shots in the end by by Chirov, but before that, the Kinzami brothers didn't really work well in this game or Kiel. I mean, it wasn't probably a real reaction, especially in the first half. I mean, they didn't concede a goal, but they didn't take any risk going forward, which you kind of expected. I mean, took 50 minutes for the first chance of the game through uh, Reza. And as mentioned, they didn't take too many risks going forward. Um, looked a bit high there. Um, yeah, and for, for as mentioned, for, for Zantausen, it was... It was not only twice, but three times. So it was Chirov who, yeah, was the the one who could have gotten a goal there. Um, I mean, in the end, the, the Skripski goal, um, he scored four out of the last six goals for, for Holstein Kiel. Uh, so he's a really important player at the moment. It is good that he's performing. Um, Fita up was out due to, I think, a muscular... Um, Injury in his foot. That's correct. Um, it was a very unlikely goal. So I think I saw something with uh, like 2%. Um, and yeah. It's. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't really know what to say. Kiel is a huge mystery to me. It's. I. Mm. I don't really know what to take out of this. I said this before about Hanover really different where they're coming from but for Zandhausen I just uh, for Kiel I'm so sorry for Kiel I just I just don't know they pl- like they play Kaisers, uh, Regensburg next uh, Zandhausen plays Kaiserslautern um, yeah I honestly don't know as mentioned it, it's not it's Always not good if one of your central defenders has your most chances. It's that's never good. <laughs> I think we can agree on that, and uh, I think that was the biggest problems. They 
weren't able to put their um, offensive players into good positioning. As as mentioned, Idini is also a defender. He had one of the chances as well with the header where, where Riz is really good in blocking him as well. So this, uh, as well we have spoken about the Kinsami brothers, um, it seems Pascal Trest Testrud left a hole to fill mm. after all. Uh, and this is what they realize now. And Pulkrap isn't really one to fill that void so far. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think they signed a new player as well with Zantausen. I'm, I honestly, I lost track past two years. Um, yeah, I mean, they can sign Sebastian Boyd. <laughs> Maybe he wants to go to to uh, Zandhausen on loan, but uh, yeah, jokes aside, uh, it's a bit worrying that just from what they offer going forward, it's just to less the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I think you're referencing to Merville Papilla, who they signed on loan from Mainz. Um, yeah, look, it's. Uh, yeah, it's not great. They're not the worst team offensively. They've, they've scored seven goals, but yeah, they just don't have the resources. I would say that Sky are to blame as to why um, they uh, have faltered because since the uh, the graphic they had where they've got Alias Schwartz dressed in a eight, he looks like an 18th century king, uh, they've completely folded to bits and they've lost their last three games. So, yeah, I would blame them. That would be a much more adequate. So don't blame yourself here, but you're fine. So, yeah, uh, big games for both teams going forward. Um, but, yeah, I think with Kiel, they've beaten the teams they've had to. They've beat, um, was it Magdeburg? Uh, they beat Braunschweig and they've beaten Zanhausen. So, yeah, they've beaten the teams that they should beat. And, um, yeah, they're, they're in a good position, but... Yeah, defensively they're still a bit eh, but um, it was good to see Halkaval get actually get a start. He hasn't had a start for a long time. And that was always good to see. Now let's go to our kick tip. It has finally happened. Yes, I've been displaced at the top of the table. I think everyone's happy about that, and uh, you know I, I can claim that I had four match days of superiority, and pretty much anything post you know match day six onwards doesn't count. So five days of being number one. Uh, so Milan form is in to is on top now. They've got they've got sixty eight points. Um, and Kea, I'm really sorry if I've got that username wrong, but they top scored with twenty one. Congratulations to you. Uh, that was a heck of a score to get on what was a tough match day. Um, podcast recommendations, uh, Eva. I'm going to let you go have a, have a first crack. Is there any podcast you'd like to recommend? I know I've got one that I will talk about in a moment. Well, I think um, I I let you do your recommendation. Well, I didn't really have time to listen to a lot of podcasts yeah. during the weekend, obviously. That's... So, um, yeah, if you want, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Um, you obviously know of Talking Foosball with the wonderful Matt Herman, who, um, if things continue the way they go, he'll be on our podcast for a little bit next season when her to get relegated. So we, we look forward to having Matt on. Uh, we need more mats on the podcast, but uh, if that's... We're, we're so great gaining new, like, um, 
We love Matt. You can come on our podcast, Yasser. Your team has to get relegated. We yeah. would be really happy. No, we, no, we love Matt. Matt's a, Matt's an incredible guy, and uh, you know, it's just it's just the unfortunate part of you know. We all have we all have foibles, and mine is Schalke, and his is Hertha. That's just the way it is. Um, yeah, he so they did their their match day review of the Bundesliga. They got Derek Ray, who of course is an absolute champion. And uh, yeah, we recommend giving them a listen, give them a follow. They're on social media, talking foosball. So yeah, that's what I've got. I don't think we've got anything else to add. Is there anything else we we need to add? Or yeah, we... I, I just wanted to say you and Matt can then do a special episode about uh, your relegated clubs. I mean, oh wow, <laughs> yes. Uh, Maybe you're... invite Elliot or Gabriel with Bochums. Wow, look at that, just throwing everyone have, under the bus. Just, I mean, it would be three blue and white clubs. I think it's very fitting. Ah, oh, yeah, Natulish. I mean, the Drisseliga called and they were wanting Bielefeld, but, uh, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. if I have to play in a league with Wilhelm and Scheiger, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think that'll happen, so that's okay. Um, Yeah, I think we should leave before it gets really, really nasty. Thank you, Eva, again, for being on. It was great to have you in company, <laughs> uh, as always. This, this, Sound sounded very ironic at this stage now. So. Yes, ironic and facetious. <laughs> it's getting a little bit nasty. The claws have come out. Um, on that note, we should go. Thank you for joining us once again. We'll be back on Tuesday this time. We're going to go a little bit earlier. We've got some things that have altered the traditional timing of the podcast, but I think Tuesday is better anyway. So we'll be back on Tuesday to discuss all the action from match day seven. Until then... Enjoy your weekend of Spider Bundesliga football and we will see you next time.